You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Go ahead and tell someone the title of my sermon this morning, Share the Gospel. Share the Gospel. Well, Plus Life Church, it's glad, I'm glad to be back in the house of the Lord. I know uh, last week, uh, Pastor Paul Tuck came in and preached a, a powerful message on, on loving one another and, and thankful for that and, and grateful for his, uh, his, his, his stepping up to the plate and bringing the word. Uh, my, myself and my wife, we were uh, we on a little getaway for our anniversary, four years of happily being married, so praise God to that. And um, thank you, thank you. You can... Uh, you can, you can tell her that she's a blessed woman uh, to, to be married to me. Uh, uh, no, uh, but definitely thankful for the opportunity to do that. And, and again, for our guest speaker, Pastor Paul Tuck, who stepped in last week. Uh, again, just a reminder that tomorrow is prayer night, right? I, I just want to reiterate that. We, we all want to come together and, and pray for the things that's happening in our world, that's happening in our community, in our church, uh, primarily as well. So please, please, please make time for that. Now, this morning, as we continue our, our sermon series on Ecclesia, we come to the penultimate, the second last sermon in our study of what our responsibilities are as a believer in the local church. And, and generally speaking, the responsibilities for anyone who declares themselves as a follower of Christ. Again, all of this has been a lead up to us inducting official members for the first time in our Plus Life community. And we'll be doing that in the next few weeks. So get excited about that. Continue to pray about that as you consider whether or not this is the church that God is calling you to partner with in the endeavors for his kingdom. Now, this morning, we'll be discussing the responsibility for every believer to share the gospel, to share the gospel. Our community guideline says members are expected to strive and share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ where they are positioned. The mission field begins with the local community and can stretch out worldwide. Every opportunity the Lord brings to bear his witness to be a prayerfully, is to be prayerfully seized so that the truth may be spoken with grace from a heart of love accompanied with good works that glorify God. That's the idea. That's the idea of what we're talking about when we're sharing, we're called to share the gospel. And, and sharing the gospel is at the heart of our identity as Plus Life Church. It's one of the, the pillars that we exist on, that, that, that our church is built on, to see lives changed by the gospel. And we can only do that by reaching others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's, it's integral to our, our identity as a church community. Now, similar to all the other topics that we've talked about this, in this series, the, the responsibility to share the gospel is not just a responsibility for anyone who wants to join Plus Life or a church member. It's a responsibility for every follower of Christ. Sharing the gospel is, is essentially the great commission. Uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 28, verse, 20, uh, verse 19. Jesus says to his disciples, the last command that he gives to them, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is Jesus' final command to his disciples, to his followers. And as we understand from Scripture, the only way to make a disciple or to become a disciple of Christ is by hearing the gospel and believing 
And we know that, and we know that, of course, but as I've said multiple times in this, from this pulpit before, the Great Commission often becomes the great omission in the church, and not just in the, the life of the church, but in the life of the believer. The Great Commission, the making disciples, sharing the gospel, evangelism, is one of the commandments from Scripture that is often forgotten, or excused away, or reasoned around, and greatly diminished of its importance. And so my desire this morning is to reframe in our minds this command to make disciples by examining from God's word the heart behind it, the, the reason as to why we do it, the, 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 the motive behind why we share the gospel. You know, we can talk about strategies and we can talk about the many kinds of methods that you can use to approach sharing or witnessing to someone. And, and we'll probably talk about that in life groups this week. But unless we get the heart right behind that command, unless we, we understand and adopt the proper motive, the pr- proper perspective behind sharing the gospel, it won't matter if you have all the proper methods, all the, all the proper ways to evangelize with, all the words to say. Your efforts will be uh, simply routine, robotic, no different from uh, a Jehovah's Witness person knocking at your door trying to share their gospel, right? Or, or no different from a salesperson trying to sell, sell you a product when you go into their store because it's their job. If we don't get our hearts in check when it comes to sharing the gospel, we end up preaching sacred words attached from any sincere meaning and a lack of any understanding as to why we do it in the first place. So church, if you are in the habit of putting off sharing the good news of Jesus Christ to your loved ones, your family and friends, your co-workers, if you have plenty of of, of excuses and reasons as to why you, you don't need to share the gospel to your unbelieving um, co-workers and relatives. I pray that this sermon would be a reminder of the kind of heart that believers are to have when it comes to witnessing, when it comes to evangelism. My prayer this morning is that the word of God would bring much conviction to your hearts so that if you have grown lukewarm in your efforts, in your convictions to share the gospel, that the Holy Spirit would reignite a flame, a fire in your heart to do so this morning. So now when it comes to the, a proper perspective or a proper attitude towards sharing the gospel, I think we need to first understand the motivation behind it, or, or rather even what's at stake if we don't share the gospel. And, and we get that perspective right off the, the, the beginning of our passage here. So let's jump into it. Everyone say, jump for me. Yeah. Amen. In verse 11 of our passage, Paul says, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Paul is very clear as to what his motivation is, as to why he tries to persuade, why he shares the gospel to other people. It's the fear of the Lord. Some context here for us so we understand what Paul's talking about, right? Paul in this passage was trying to communicate to the church of Corinth the reason as to why he was doing ministry, why he was sharing the gospel. See, what had happened is, if you've ever read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, right? The church of Corinth wasn't the best church, right? People were sinning, people doing crazy things, and, 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 and false teachers were coming into the church and teaching heresy, and people were abusing their gifts and all of these things. And of course, these false teachers were calling themselves super apostles, right? Um, and you can read about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Now, from what we read in Paul's letter, it is implied that these super apostles were serving in ministry, preaching the gospel out of a desire for personal gain. 
whether it was to get more influence or to get even money from the congregation of Corinth or even simply to make Paul look bad while, while elevate, their own, uh, elevate their own reputation, the, 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 these super apostles were serving out of a wrong place. Even in our passage, Paul says, right, in verse 12 of our passage, he says, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what is in the heart. These, he's referring to, of course, to these so-called super apostles. So now, Paul comes into this chapter and into our passage attempting to correct and establish his motivations in the eyes of the Corinthian church the pro- his, the, and also the proper motivation when it comes to sharing the gospel. So again, he says, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. Paul's primary reason for sharing the gospel is based on the fear of the Lord. Why is it the fear of the Lord? Because at the heart of the gospel, we see the holiness of God and his wrath against sinful man. In case you needed a reminder, right? The gospel we preach is not simply the message that, that God loves us and that he wants the best for us. And as we, you know, we were just saying, right? That he wants to break us free from anxiety and, and, and heartbreak and restore us and all of these things, all these good things, which are true, by the way. But at the heart of the gospel, it, it speaks about God's holiness and his wrath against sin. The story of the gospel always starts at the holiness of God and then compares that to the sinfulness, the depravity of man, our rebellion against God. And as a result of that sinfulness, we, of course, know the punishment of sin. The wages of sin is death. That death is hell. It's God's wrath. See, that's the bad news that makes the good news necessary. And of course, the good news is what? Jesus, right? We were just singing about it, right? Christ came to die on the cross on our behalf, to take on our punishment of sin on himself so that we could have a reconciled relationship with God as we just read in our passage. So now, having a full comprehension of of what the whole gospel entails, Paul is saying, hey, it's the fear of the Lord that motivates us to share the gospel, to persuade others. It's knowing that a holy God is going to one day judge every sinner who doesn't repent and put their faith in Jesus Christ. That's our motivation. In fact, if you read, your, if you read our passage or just the, the verse right before it, Paul even says in verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Paul is saying, and then that's where Paul comes in, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, knowing that everybody has to stand before a holy God and and, and come under judgment, we persuade others. We share the gospel to others. That's why Paul is sharing the gospel, because he knows that everyone will one day come face to face with a holy God. Paul's motivation for sharing the gospel with the loss is founded in the fear of the Lord and the desire to spare others, spare others from having to encounter the wrath of God. And the story of Paul Revere comes to mind from the American uh, Revolution. And if you, if you know his story right, in 1775, when the British forces were coming and, and attempting to uh, uh, launch a surprise attack against American colonies, Paul Revere rode all throughout the night, warning the colonies and rallying them to fight, shouting, the British are coming, the British are coming. In a way, we are like Paul Revere. Except our cry is, hell is coming. 
The wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. We have a mission to share the gospel to those around us, not just because it's the good news, not because it's a promise of God's love and forgiveness and reconciliation and hope and all of that, all of that which is true, by the way, and is good, but because those around us are in imminent danger of facing the wrath of God. And if it wasn't clear enough, right, we're not saved from sin, We're not saved from suffering in this world. That's a byproduct of salvation. We're saved from God's wrath. Our responsibility to share the gospel is the responsibility to tell people the good news of how God has made a way so that we can escape his wrath and be reconciled to him through the person of Jesus Christ. Now, with that as the foundation, Paul further explains why sharing the gospel ought to be a natural thing for believers and why sharing the good news is one of the, sort of one of the preeminent reasons as to why we ourselves have been saved. And so to summarize what Paul says in, in our passage, and we'll go through it, the reason we share the gospel is because we have been altered to become God's ambassadors in order to make God's appeal. Let me say it again. We have been altered to become God's ambassadors in order to make God's Appeal. So let's break this down for us, right? We have been altered. Everyone say altered. <coughs> Verse 17 of our passage, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The reason why we, are, we share the gospel is because we have been altered. We've been changed. We've been renewed into something new. What's that something new? Well, let's go back to Verse 14. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Verse 14, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And verse 15, and he had died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. (coughs) Excuse me. Simply put, we are new creations. We have been changed. We have been altered from people who once lived for ourselves into a people who now lives for him who died for us. Listen, the mark of a genuine believer is one who has died to their, to their desires and is now living for the desires of Christ. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, look at that with me. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. If you are a true follower of Christ, your desires ought to match up with the desires of the Savior. Your life ought to be to reflect a changed life, a new life that stems from the life of Christ. And of course, uh, your desires should match up with His. So what are God's desires? Well, look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, it says, This is good and is pleasing in the sight of God, <coughs> our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to to the knowledge of the truth. As a people who have died to self and now lives for the desires of Christ, this ought to be our desire as well, for others to be saved. Let me put it this way, right? If we have truly experienced salvation, salvation from the wrath of God, if we have truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then we would desire to share that same experience, that same truth, that same hope, that same forgiveness and love with others. I mean, we, we do it all the time, right? With everything else in this life, right? If we enjoy a movie, we, we tell people about it. Hey, go see this movie. 
If we, if, we, if we see something on sale, right, we tell others about, hey, go, go buy this, right? It's on sale. It's a great product. Or if we go to a, a restaurant, right, we, we eat the, good, the, the food, we, we enjoy the food, and we, say, and we tell people about it, hey, come to this restaurant. I mean, you know, before the pandemic, for, I think for an entire year, in my sermons, I was mentioning Osmos because I thought Osmos was amazing. I was, I was preaching the good news of Osmos because I tasted and seen that Osmos was good, right? Like, that's how it was. But all that to say... The, in our, in, in our, we are naturally, we are naturally born salespeople, propagating the good news of the things that we enjoy, the things, the good things that we experience, the love that we have for things, and the things of this world. How much more should we be propagating the gospel of Jesus Christ? The reason why we share the gospel is because we have been altered, changed, given a new heart with new desires, no longer living for ourselves, but for the will of Christ. So ask yourself, have you been living for your desires or the desires of Christ? Do you desire to see people saved and come to be reconciled with a holy God just as Christ does, just as God does? Because if our hearts have truly been changed, changed we would desire to share the gospel to others. That desire should be there. If we have truly tasted and seen that the Lord is good, we would tell others about it. We share the gospel because we have been altered. And again, for a purpose. We have been altered to become his ambassadors. Everyone say ambassadors. Verse 18. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. This is God's salvific work, by the way. God <coughs> reconciles us to himself through Christ, changing us in the process so that we can deliver the message of reconciliation to others. That's the gospel. This part of God's purpose of saving us, again, it's not just for ourselves, not just, for, not just so we do not suffer or we don't experience the wrath of God, but so that others would come to salvation as well. And we'll look at that in a minute. Listen, Excuse me. You are saved so that through your witness, God can call others to salvation. This is, this is why in verse 20, Paul says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. We don't just live for Christ, we also represent him in the world. Church, we are to be his ambassadors. In the, in the Greek there, the original Greek for ambassadors is presbyo, to be an emissary, a representative of a kingdom. Why do we share the gospel? Because we represent him in this world. We are his hands, his feet, his love, his heart. We are his mouthpiece, his instrument of peace as we always pray uh, in the weekends. We, we are the, the bearers of his light in this world. Listen. Do you understand the weight, the gravity of this, of being the ambassador of Christ in this world? We are representing the king of the universe, the Lord of lords, and the God who is holy, holy, holy in a dark, dark, dark world. Maybe to clear or to emphasize the weight of this responsibility, look at John chapter 20 with me. John chapter 20, verse 23. It says, if you forgive the sins of any... This is Jesus talking to his disciples. They are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. 
Jesus was saying this during a time where people believed that only God could forgive sins. But then he gives that authority to his disciples, to, to us who are meant to represent him in this world, the ambassadors of God. This doesn't mean, by the way, that we can withhold forgiveness from people or that by ourselves we can forgive sins of people like how how Catholics believe. No. Remember, this is in the context of those who are in Christ, who have the authority of Christ, those who are ambassadors of Christ. What Jesus is saying in this passage is that as his ambassadors, we can boldly proclaim forgiveness of sins in him. We can by faith proclaim someone forgiven of their sin if they have truly repented and turned to Christ for salvation. And on the flip side, as his ambassadors, we can also proclaim that someone is not forgiven of sin because they have not repented and not put their faith in Christ. The point of this passage is, Prior to Christ, no one knew whether or not they were forgiven of their sin except God. Hence why the Pharisees were so upset at Jesus every time he forgave people, right? But in Christ, and and as his ambassadors, we can boldly proclaim the message of reconciliation and forgiveness to a lost world and know for certain that if people repent and turn to Christ, they will be forgiven of their sin. That's, that's the, the authority, that's the gravity, the weight of the responsibility that we have as believers. We are ambassadors of Christ and we need to be, we need to be that if we want to, to share the gospel, we want to reach people for Christ. Because listen, under any other banner, we won't be able to do it. Under the banner of plus life, listen, you're not an ambassador of plus life or, or an ambassador of Pastor Ian. You're an ambassador of Christ because only he can save only he, has the, only he has the power to save. And so we, rep, we represent him in this world. This is why, by the way, our, our testimony is so important. Why we are regularly told in scripture to guard it. Why we've gone through in the series, you know, the, the, the necessity to walk in holiness and to pursue God in everything. And this is why Paul says all throughout his letters to guard your testimony. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Listen, the way we live our lives reflects the Savior who gave us that life. If you are living in the world like the world, in sin, in in hopelessness, What does that say about our Savior to the world? What does it say about our Savior to the outside world? Think think about this a moment, right? How are you representing Christ in your day-to-day, in your workplace, in your school, in your family, amongst your lost relatives and friends? How are you representing Christ? If, If the only depiction of Christ your friends and coworkers and relatives have is you, what would they say about Jesus? Remember, church, we have been altered to become his ambassadors, to be his representatives in this world. And of course, there's a reason for that as well. We've been, we, we have been altered to become his ambassadors so that God could make his appeal, his appeal through us. Everyone say appeal. Look at verse 20. Paul says it there. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. 
A Greek word there for appeal is, is parakaleo, meaning to, to summon or, or beseech someone. The imagery is of someone being summoned to court in order to make an appeal to a judge. But what's interesting is that the judge in this imagery is not God. The judge is the lost. It's the unbelievers. God alters us to become his ambassadors so that we can testify, so that we can make an appeal to the lost of why they should be reconciled to God, why they should turn to God. God is giving unbelievers a reason to believe in him according to our passage through us, through our witness, through our testimony. And listen, you know... You know what plus life is like, right? We're not about making it all about us and, and you know, talking about our, our worth and how great we are, right? It's actually quite the opposite of what we're hearing in our passage and what we see all throughout Scripture. God doesn't use the best of us, right? He, he doesn't use, you know, our, our, our best talents and our best gifts. He uses what's, in order to appeal to the lost, he uses what's actually bad about us. God uses our weaknesses, our sinful past, our lack of credibility, our inability to save ourselves as a testimony of his power to save and redeem even the most wretched of human beings. One of my favorite passages in scripture is the Apostle Paul's own testimony. We read about it in 1 Timothy chapter 1. Look at that with me, verse 12, 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 12. I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Through for, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, insolent opponent. Paul's testifying about his sinful past. How he himself persecuted the church. About, he was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent of the gospel. But then he says, look at the verse after that. But I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Then listen to this. This is my favorite part. This is the the highlight of his testimony. (coughs) Excuse me. Verse 15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost, the worst. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, the worst of the worst, Jesus Christ might display display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. To the king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. (coughs) Excuse me. Paul is saying that God saved him, redeemed him, changed him. The chief of sinners, the worst of the worst of sinners, so that he would be a testimony to all who would believe. A testimony of God's ability to save, his desire to save even the most wretched of people. That's God's appeal. If he can save even the chief of sinners, Paul himself, how much more can he save your neighbor, your, 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 your relative who's gone astray? How much more can he save you? And listen, believer, this is your testimony as well. That is God's appeal to the lost, your life, your testimony. Think a moment, right? Where God has brought you from, the, 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 the bad mentalities, the worldly mentalities, the, the bad habits, the, the sinful lifestyles, the, the addictions, the brokenness. 
Recall a moment where God has taken you from. Now think where he has, now think where he has positioned you, where he has placed you. I, I get it, you're not perfect now. No one is. But the progress, the process, the hope, the satisfaction, the, the forgiveness that you have now in Christ. That's God's testimony. That's God's appeal to the world. Your life. Again, your salvation is not just for you. God is making his appeal to the world of his salvific work, of how he is mighty to save through your life. Your life is a testimony of God's grace, his mercy, his forgiveness, his love. <coughs> First, uh, First Peter chapter 2, 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Listen, we have been saved so that through us the world might see just how good our God is. That's what our passage says, right? That's how our passage in, in, in 2 Corinthians ends, right? Paul says, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our lives is a testimony of God's goodness, his righteousness, his, his salvific act to, to, to save sinners, to have mercy and grace on sinners who only deserve his wrath. Our life is a testimony of God's righteousness, of his goodness. Church, this is why we must share the gospel. Because if we don't, the world will not know of God's God's goodness, of his plan, of, his, uh, of the way he made so that sinners can be reconciled to himself. So the invitation this morning is clear. Share the gospel. Whether you plan to be a member of Plus Life or, or not, as a believer, if you, if you declare yourself as a follower of Christ this morning, you must share the gospel. Let others know of, of, of your testimony of God took you out of from places of darkness into places of light, into his marvelous light. <coughs> of course, you know, we, we always have the critic, right? But Pastor Ian, God is sovereign. He will save people anyway, right? Well, thank you, Martin Luther or John Calvin, whoever you are back there. But yes, absolutely. But as we see through Scripture, Right? Even as we just read in our passage, the means by which God enacts his sovereign will to save humanity is by sharing the gospel. is by using individuals, using this testimony of the saints to share the gospel to unbelievers. Listen, we don't share the gospel uh, in, despite God's sovereignty. We share the gospel because God is sovereign. Because we believe that God can use us. Because we believe that God can use our testimony to appeal even to the most wretched of sinners. To convince them of his goodness and the power of the gospel to save. We share the gospel knowing that God can save even the most rebellious sinner. We share the gospel because God is sovereign. And of course, the invitation is clear to the lost as well. Repent and believe. If you have yet to put Christ as Lord over your life, do so today. God has made a way. The holy God, 
has made a way to reconcile us sinners to himself, even though we did not deserve it, even though we did not, we can do anything to, to earn it. God has made a way through his son, Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins and believe. Church, share the gospel. It is our responsibility as believers because we have been altered to become God's ambassadors in order to make God's appeal to a world that needs him. Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, first and foremost, God, we, we confess all the times where we have put the Great Commission aside. We confess all the times, Lord God, where we have made an excuse, where we have reasoned around it, where we have disobeyed, Lord God, your command for us to go and make disciples, to go and share the gospel. And you know all our reasons. You know all, all, the, all the things that we say. But God, as we have read from your word, I pray that the fear of you would control us. That it would, the, 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 the knowledge of your wrath, of your holiness, would, would motivate us to go and persuade others towards you. I pray, O oh God, that you would give us a, a fresh vision of your holiness. So that, God, we would, would have a fire so that our feet would be ready with, to, to share the gospel to those who need to hear it, to those who are perishing and who will, who will face your wrath. I pray that you would help us, O oh God. I pray, O oh Lord, that you'd help us to live, to live a changed life, a life worthy of the gospel, a life, Lord God, that is in step with your spirit, that as we've been singing, Lord God, that just wants to declare your name, Lord, to speak your name, Jesus, in the streets, on the mountaintops, in our schools, in our, in our workplaces, in our homes. Remind us, O oh God, of the joy of our salvation. Remind us, O oh Lord, of, or, of where you have taken us from, where you have saved us from, and where you are bringing us. So God, so that, so that we would have fuel, that we would have fire, O oh Lord, to, to proclaim your name among the nations among our communities. Lord, as, uh, as Plus Life Church, Lord God, uh, Lord, we pray. We, we desperately pray, oh God, that we would see salvations amongst us. That we would truly see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would burden our hearts for this. You'd burden every single person in this room for this. That God, we would do whatever it takes to invite our friends, to share the gospel to our friends, to to share the good news to those who are lost around us. Give us a heart, Lord, a desire similar to yours. A desire to see the lost come to salvation, come to knowledge of the truth. Lord, we ask that you would use us. We ask that you would fuel our, our steps to share the gospel 
We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslivepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.